Well, good morning, everyone. So grateful you're here with us as we uh, actually begin to close out the series we've been doing called The God Jesus Knows and the Problem of Sin. And uh, this whole series kind of was born out of an important question that was asked as we were exploring the first series that we did this year called The God Jesus Knows. Uh, you see, we, we spent the first few weeks sort of talking about the idea that uh, when Jesus came to this planet, uh, Christianity teaches that one of the primary reasons he came was to give us a tangible picture of who God is. Um, and I think that was necessary because the picture that we sometimes have of God that we sort of create in our own minds is very different from the God Jesus knows sometimes. The picture that we are sometimes raised with is very different from the, the God Jesus knows. The picture that we are sometimes kind of bump into in different, uh, sometimes church circles, religious circles, is very different from the God Jesus knows. And so I think God wanted to take the assumption and the, the kind of confusion out when Jesus came. He came to give us a, a beautiful picture of who God is. And what I've discovered in my life, and I think what most people discover, when you discover the God Jesus knows, you realize that, Gosh, he's one of the most attractive, like you want to know him. And, and um, that God, the way that Jesus describes him is the most, uh, makes the most sense when you, you begin to understand who Jesus described God as. We learned that God is good. He's, just, he's good always. He's, he's good. We learned that he's trustworthy. We learned that he's generous, that he's kind, that he's gracious, and that he's unconditionally Loving, And we spoke about this for several weeks as we explored the God Jesus knows. And one of the biggest things we discovered, and this is so important, we discovered this so clearly in Jesus' teachings, like almost shockingly clearly. And if you haven't heard these messages, I'll encourage you to go listen to them because we can't go into it in depth now, but I need to lay this foundation for where we're going today. What we discovered so clearly in Jesus' teachings is something that sometimes kind of makes us go, whoa, is that Right? Because what we discovered, and this is so important to understanding the God Jesus knows. It's so important to understanding the Christianity that Jesus gave us. And that's this, that God is not impacted by our sin. We, we discovered this idea that God is not impacted by our sin, that our standing with him, our relationship with him, our acceptance by him, even our blessing from him actually has nothing to do with our sin and everything to do with what Jesus did and our acceptance and trust of what he did. But talking about such a huge concept that our acceptance and our relationship with God has nothing to do with our sin, which is like, wait, that goes against everything I thought sometimes. That goes against everything that sort of naturally I feel inside. But talking about that idea that, that God's not impacted by our sin brought up an important question. <laughs> The question that sort of sparked this whole series, and that's this question. So, so if God's not impacted by our sin, what about all the instructions that you find in the Bible then? What do you do with all that? What, what about all the times Jesus says, do this or don't do this? What, 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 what do we do with those things? If our relationship with God is not based on what we do, good or bad, if our acceptance by God is not based on whether we sin or don't sin, then why are those instructions there? In other words, what do we do with the scriptures that tell us what to do? How do we handle those? And so we decided to do this follow-up series called The God Jesus Knows and the Problem of Sin to see how God handles 
the problem of sin. And so far, and again, I'm gonna quickly quickly talk about what we've said so far because it's essential, because where we're going today must be on the foundation of what we've already said. So I'm gonna quickly do that. If you haven't heard them, please go check them out. Uh, what we found so far is that we said this, if God really is God, and he really is perfect, and he really is just, and he really is holy, and by the way, we want him to be just, because if he wasn't a just God, we couldn't trust God. If he wasn't just, we would be like, I don't know if I can trust him. So, so if he really is just and holy and perfect, which we want, then logically, theologically, then just justifiably, our sin must be punished. If he really is God, if he really is just, then God must punish sin. Sin needs to be punished. So we, we, we looked at that reality, that makes sense, that justifiably makes sense, but what we discovered, and this is the beauty of Christianity, that Christianity teaches very clearly that Jesus literally took all the punishment for sin once and for all. In other words, the problem of punishment that we bump up against with our sin, it's like, okay, if there's sin, if God's perfect, then sin must be punished. The problem of punishment is dealt with because Jesus took it all, past, present, future, all of it, and he died on the cross and he said these words, it is finished, it is paid in full. So the problem of punishment was dealt with in Christ at the cross. We also saw that um, so oftentimes when we think about sin, we kind of make it more about sins. We, we think it's about the actions and, and, and we, we, we think it's about doing bad things and that's how we understand sin. What we discovered is that Christianity sort of teaches that that's just a tiny little part of what sin really is, that sin is not just the bad actions, sin is not just the bad things, it's not just the, the things we do. Sin is actually more like a sin disease that infects every single human being. In a sense, sin isn't bad action, but rather something that has polluted all of humanity that leads to bad actions, that leads to things. And if we're always only focused on stop sinning, you know, telling ourselves, I better not sin, or if we tell others, stop sinning, if that's all we're ever focusing on, it's, that's like trying to tell a cancer patient, patient, stop having cancer. Like, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't work, and if you understand sin, the, the biblical doctrine of sin, you understand you can't tell someone to stop sinning. It doesn't work. It's like saying stop having cancer. It just doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. According to Christianity, sin is more like a disease that has polluted every human being that leads to actions, and unless the disease of sin is addressed, it does nothing to try and sin manage, which is so often what we understand Christianity as, sin management. No, it's, it does nothing to manage sin. That's only dealing with symptoms and not the root. And we as humans all struggle with the pollution of sin, not just sin. So we recognize, okay, so that's the problem of sin. That's the problem of pollution. But the beauty of Christianity is that Jesus not only dealt with the problem of punishment in his death and resurrection, he took our sin on himself and he offers us his righteousness. And so he gives us a cure to the problem of pollution as well, he puts his spirit in us and he gives us another way, another uh, way of handling this, another way of doing this. And then last week we saw the way that you are able to 
access or apply the solution to the problem of punishment and the solution to the problem of pollution, the way that we do that is, is not by doing anything or making myself you know, not do something or, or doing something. That usually leads, we use this picture, of trying to climb a ladder to, to pick myself out of the mess of my life. No, no, no. Christianity teaches it's not about self-effort. It's about stopping self-effort. It's about stopping defining myself by my effort and my failure and simply getting off the ladder of self-effort and putting myself at his mercy. In a sense, we, we use the picture of an elevator that opens its doors and you just walk in. You put yourself in Christ, in a sense, and trust him. And then he, through what he has done, lifts us up and changes us at the core. That's the beauty of Christianity. That's the message of Christianity. That is what God, the God Jesus knows, does when it comes to the problem of sin, which that must be the foundation if we're going to ask the question, so what do I do about the instructions? What do I do about the do's and don'ts? What do I do about the things that Jesus says, don't do that, do, do that. What do I do with those? Well, we must first understand the foundation because if we don't, we're gonna turn Christianity into something that it's not. You see, I, I, I wanna make it so clear that we have spent weeks talking about this foundation. And only now are we asking the question, so what do we practically do and how do we make that impact our decisions about life? Because if we don't have that foundation, Christianity becomes like every other religion and Christianity is not like every other religion. Christianity is completely different from that. You see, most religion, all religion sort of starts with the do's and the don'ts. It starts with the instructions. It starts with what you must do in order to be acceptable, in order to be in. You have to accomplish this, do this, stop doing this, and then you're welcome. Christianity does not start with that. And even though Christianity, the Christianity that Jesus introduced to us, is not at all like that, somehow we so often approach Christianity in exactly the same way and come and say, so what must I do? What must I stop? Where do I have to change? What do I have to do? And we, we go to the instructions, the do's and don'ts. And in doing that, we are literally missing the point of Jesus. And we're hurting ourselves and our journey of faith because we create this moralistic standard that we believe is necessary for us to be accepted and loved by God. But that is not at all what Jesus taught. If you wanna know the God Jesus knows, it has got nothing to do with what you do or don't do. Now, this is crazy, but it's so clear. I'm gonna read a scripture, Ephesians 2 verse eight to nine. It shows us it's so clear. It's not by what you do. It's literally by what he has done and simply me trusting him. That's the foundation. Ephesians 2 verse eight says this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works. Like he makes it so clear, so that no one can boast. So we've spent a bunch of weeks uh, kind of making sure we understand that Christianity is not a sin management religion. It is not about do's and don'ts. It is not about moralism. It is not about rules. It's so important to know that it is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And it's so important to say this so loud and so boldly because we forget, we forget this. So here's what I, 
based on that, here's what I would love for all of us to do. Anytime someone starts to talk to you about Christianity and they start with, you shouldn't do that if you wanna be a Christian. Anytime someone says to you, you shouldn't do that if you are a Christian, if they start there. Anytime someone brings judgment into a conversation about some sin you may have or may have not done. Anytime someone puts your standing with God at risk based on some action. Anytime that happens, anytime someone elevates their, uh, their own standing, anyone t- anytime someone elevates themselves above you based on their exemplary behavior, here's what I hope happens. That your grace antenna goes whoop, hello. Anytime someone starts with any of that, grace stands up. This like big flag waves, that your, your Jesus-centered Christianity shoots up and goes, hey, 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 listen, 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 don't go there. Anytime that happens, I hope Grace goes, ding, 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 like seriously, because we should ask that question. If, if that ever comes up, you should ask, is this version of Christianity based on my works or God's grace? Is this version of Christianity based on my works or God's grace? Is this version of Christianity based on my ability or on Christ's ability? Is it based on what I have done or on what Jesus has done and is doing? Because every time it comes to what I have done, my ability, what I, my works, it's actually not Christianity. It is something completely different. It's really, really important to ask that question because Christianity is the only religion where actions don't matter in salvation or forgiveness or acceptance. That's a huge statement because it goes against this thing in us. It's the only religion where actions don't matter in salvation, forgiveness, or acceptance. In every other religion, there are things that you must do to be okay with God. In Christianity, God makes you okay with him when you simply accept and trust what Jesus did. And so, it's incredibly important to understand that the instructions The guidelines, the do's and the don'ts found in the New Testament are not requirements, but rather are fruit of something that is founded on what God has already done and made available. So that's the foundation that we've laid. In all these messages, through through looking at what Jesus taught and the God Jesus knows, and any other foundation outside of the idea that God is good, He's he's good always, that he's generous, that he's trustworthy, that he's unconditionally loving. And even though we have a sin disease that we can't fix, that Jesus died to deal with the problem of punishment so that sin no longer needs to be punished because it has been punished. And that, that he's given us the solution to this problem of the pollution of sin in our own lives. He's given that. And when we trust him, all of that becomes real for us. And he, he puts his spirit in us. He gives us our, uh, he changes our hearts. All because, not because we did anything, but because we stopped doing something. We climbed off of our ladders of self-effort and put ourselves in Christ, in the elevator of his grace, and he does the work in us. That's actually what Christianity calls the gospel. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing, and the gospel is foundational to understanding and living out Christianity. 
And if you look at the do's and don'ts and in Scripture, if you look at the instructions in Scripture, without the foundation of the gospel, you will misunderstand Christianity. This is where it starts. This is where it must start. And everything else comes after that on top of that. But if the foundation of the gospel is in place, which we've worked hard to get it in place, <laughs> and we gotta come back to it all the time, but if the gospel is in place, then we can ask the question, okay, now what do we do when we bump into things in the Bible that tell us that we should do something or not do something? And that's what I wanna spend the rest of my time talking about. What do we do if the gospel's in place? If his grace, if who he is is in place, if I've got all that down, now, what do I do when I bump into things in Scripture that tells me, Justin, you should do this? And I look at it and I go, I don't want to. <laughs> what do I do? Or I don't agree. Or I don't understand. Or I don't like it. Oh, no, really? What do I do when I bump into those instructions, those do's and don'ts that Jesus said, that Scripture teaches? What do I do when I bump into those things? So there's two thoughts I want to, I mean, we could talk about this forever, but there's two thoughts that I want to leave you with today. Once we've got the gospel in place, that foundation in place, what do we do when we bump into instructions, do's and don'ts in the Bible? The first thing that I want to say is this. <clears throat> Go with me with this one. If God is everything we just talked about, this is what I want us to think about. When you bump into the do's and don'ts, if God really is everything we've just talked about, wouldn't it make sense to just do what he asks? That's kind of simple. Like, like seriously, if he really is loving, like he loves you more than anything else in the whole world, he loves you more than anyone else in the world, he, he really is loving, trustworthy, good, generous, holy, if he really forgives and he changes us, he gives us what we need, he redefines us, then when he asks us to do something, why on earth do we push back? Like seriously, if if he's really that good and he loves us that much with no conditions and he's holy so he knows what it takes and he reaches down so far to help us to be the best version of ourselves, don't we think that everything he says comes from a really good place and he wants what's best for us? If he has already taken away the problem of punishment, so it's not about judgment and punishment because he's already taken that away. And, and he has already given us the cure to the problem of, of the pollution of sin. To use Bible language, he's already justified us and he's sanctifying us. If, if when we trust Christ, we have him in us and with us, his spirit is in us, he has given us his very nature, we have his life in us. If all of that is true, don't we think that if he says, hey, I want you to do this, I want you to live your life this way and I don't want you to live your life that way. Don't you think that if he says, hey, doing that will hurt you and hurt others around you, I don't want you to, and I'll help you, but I don't want you to do that. Don't you think he knows what he's talking about and what he says is probably best for us? If that's who he is, don't you think if he gives instructions and guidance and direction, it would be super smart to listen to him? Like logically, we'll get to the thing in us that still goes, well, I still don't want to because that's a real part of us, right? We'll get to that in a minute, but just think about it logically. Like if you think about it logically, if that's who God is, if he loves us that much, if he's done so much for us and he's wise and he knows life and he created life and he knows you, 
And he says, hey, I don't want you to do that. Wouldn't the smartest thing in the world be, okay, I'll trust you and I'll follow you. Even if in my human imperfect understanding, I think I don't like what he says. Because there's that humanness about me that puts me at the center of everything because I'm self-centered. There's that self-absorbed, there's that self-gratifying thing in me that when I read something in the Bible, I go, that doesn't make me feel good. Because I'm seeing it through my eyes, I'm seeing it through my human nature. So even when that's there, and I go, I don't like that. Don't you think if I really know that he is who he says he is and I am tainted by my sinful humanness, wouldn't it be wise and smart and best to go, okay, I'm not gonna listen to me, I'm gonna listen to him. When, when my desires, which are tainted by my humanness, clash with his desires, wouldn't it just be smart <laughs> to say, I'm gonna listen to him and I'm gonna obey him? I think so. I think it's logical. If he truly loves me that much, I think that would be really, really smart. So I think the first thing that we need to think about when we bump into those instructions and those do's and don'ts, what should we do when we do that? Well, if we're being gospel-centered, realizing all this gospel stuff, if we're standing on the foundation of who he really is and I remember who he is and I remember who I am, then the best thing for me, <laughs> the wisest thing to do would be to just obey. To just say, yes, God, yes. It would just make sense. And, and it, it would not make sense to push back. You know, pushing back on that would be kind of like, this is a silly illustration, but I think it makes the point. Like, I'm South African, and I grew up in South Africa, which means I never saw a basketball game played. I never understood basketball, didn't know what had happened. I, I've never played a basketball game in my life. I'm clueless when it comes to basketball. But, but me saying no to God in my life would kind of be like me going, I wanna learn basketball and LeBron James shows up. And he goes, Justin, I'll help you learn basketball. I go, no, I'm good. I'm from South Africa. <laughs> I'm good, I do other sport. I don't need your help. And I think I know more than you. Yeah. <laughs> it would be similar to that. It wouldn't make sense and all of you laughed. Why, it's the same thing. If I truly know who God is and who I am, if I'm standing on the gospel and it's not about punishment and he's here and he's helping and he's died and he's done all that, he's good, he's loving, he's generous, he's everything, I know that. And then he says, I want you to do this and I go, no thanks. Doesn't make sense, it doesn't make sense. So the first thing we need to think about as we navigate, what do we do when we bump into the instructions? The first thing is I would just say, do it. Because God is awesome. And if you know that, now, now if you don't know that, I understand why you push back, of course, but if you know that, why don't we just do it, even if we don't understand? LeBron, I don't understand why I gotta run there. That doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't matter. He knows. Just, just do it. So that's the first thing I think we need to think about. The second thing kind of came to the fore when I, I talked to a friend of mine about, you know, why do we push back? Like, why do we still push back? Why do we push back on God? Why is there that problem of pushback in our lives? And, and you know what he said to me? It was very, very wise, very deep. He said, because we don't want to do what he says. It's deep, right? But it's true. <laughs> Why do we push back? Because we want to. 
Why don't we do what he says? Because we don't want to. And the funny thing is, that's actually something that Christianity acknowledges. There is something in us that does not want to do what God wants us to do, that does not want to follow his wisdom and his instructions. It's, it's expressed very clearly in Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. It says this, for the flesh, the flesh is our broken human nature. That's sort of a picture of our human nature. The flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. Our flesh desires what's contrary. <laughs> and the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh, they are in conflict with each other. There is something in us that doesn't want to do what God wants us to do. And, and the, the, you know, the, the bum part about that, the irritating part about that is that we carry that sinful nature, that flesh with us for the rest of our lives. And it's so irritating, but we do. Until we die, we carry that thing with us until we die. So yes, there is a thing in us that makes us not want to do what God wants us to do. But if you looked carefully when that scripture was up, you'll see there was a comma at the end of it, which means that's not the whole thought, which means there's more to it. And Christianity speaks so beautifully into it. And then it talks about another thing that makes Christianity so different from every other world religion. And this is so important. It promises something that, that if we know this and have this, it changes our whole experience about the Christian faith and living it out as well. You see, Christianity promises that while we will always have this flesh, this human nature thing that makes us not want to do this, we'll always have this flesh thing with us. It also says that God actually puts his spirit in us as well. And if we could live our lives trusting that to be true and real, then there is a legitimate, real, tangible, transforming and empowering reality that comes alive inside of us that actually begins to change us and make us new. Yes, we carry that flesh thing around, but God puts something else in us and makes us not only want to follow him, but able to follow him. That's what Christianity teaches. So let's go back to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, and see the context. Here's what Paul says as he's writing this letter to these people, these Christians in Galatia. He says, so I say, and, and just so that you know who he's writing to, he's writing to people who have met the God Jesus knows. People who have trusted in the fact that God is good and loving and, and, and generous, unconditionally loving, and, and people who've acknowledged they have a sin disease problem that they can't fix, but that Jesus died to pay the punishment, to pay the, 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 take care of the problem of punishment, take care of the problem of pollution, that, that when they trust in Christ, Christ puts his spirit in them. That's who he's speaking to him. So then he says this to them, that they have his spirit in them. He says, so I say, walk by the spirit, Live your life trusting in, walk by, surrender to him, know that he's there, walk by the spirit, and listen to what he says, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, which is a huge statement. He acknowledges there are desires of the flesh, that's real, that's always gonna be there. But if you surrender to and walk by and trust in the spirit that God has put in you, and I know that sounds weird if you're not a Christian, like what on earth are we talking about? Christianity teaches that God puts himself in us and literally begins to change us. And if we trust that and know that, we will walk by, trust in, surrender to the spirit, then we won't want to. Fulfill the desires, gratify the desires of the flesh. 
We won't have time to. <laughs> because this is real in us. Then he gets to verse 17. For the flesh desires what's contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what's contrary to the flesh. And it's so important to recognize that Christianity teaches that if you're a Christian, if you've placed your faith in Christ, you have two natures, which is confusing and irritating, and yet it's the most... The, the best explanation of what happens in my heart that I've ever come across, that I have this human sinful nature that's self-centered and it makes me you know, be tempted by things, it makes me do stupid things, it makes me be selfish, it makes me go down this road, it makes it easy to do the wrong thing and yet I also have this desire to follow God and trust Him and live my life for Him and it gives me this thing. So there's this reality and Paul talks about the fact that we have these two natures and they are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want to do. But Paul says, there is another option and if you walk by the Spirit, you don't have to gratify the desires of the flesh. So this whole thing of I don't want to, yeah, I know that's true, but about me, I don't want to, but I do want to. And if I walk by the Spirit, man, it begins to help me, change me, be the person he has made me to be. There's one more thing that Paul says in this that is so important. Verse 18, he says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And I love that he says this because in the statement, it makes it so clear that this narrative that we are supposed to follow the rules, that that's what it's about and do all the right stuff is not what Christianity is about. You're not under the law. If you're led by the Spirit, Paul says, if you're led by the Spirit, you have, if you have put your faith in Christ, He has put His Spirit in you. If you are surrendered to Him, you are not under this requirement to do the rules. No, you have His Spirit in you, and He has changed you and is making you new and whole and giving you new desires and new strength to follow him, Christianity is not about the rules. It's about his life in you. And I'm telling you, if we live our lives based on that, it will take us so much further than rules ever could. Not by my strength, not by my striving, not by me doing the right thing or the wrong thing, but simply by trusting Jesus and to forgive me and trusting his spirit to change me. So here's what I believe. If we believe in the God Jesus knows. If we trust him, then, then what happens is not only because he puts his spirit in us, not only do we want to follow him, but he helps us follow him. If we know, oh my gosh, he's good, He's awesome, he's loving, he's generous, he's trustworthy, that's who he is, and he died for me, and I have the sin disease that I can't fix, but he's covered that punishment, he's brought the solution to that pollution inside of me, that's who he is. He puts his spirit in me, and I change. I want to follow him, naturally, not, oh, I gotta make it happen. And I begin to be able to follow him because he begins to help me. That's huge. I wanna come back to how we started the first series in January because we asked a very important question that relates to this. And the question we asked is, how do we change? Because sometimes we try to change and we don't. How do we actually change? How do we allow this to change our lives? How do we become more like Jesus? How do we love better? How do we you know, stop falling to the mess in our lives? How do, how do we change? And we realize at first that it's not by willpower. 
It's not because our willpower is broken. Our will is part of our broken human nature and you can't use a broken will to fix a broken will. We need help from outside of ourselves. And that's what we said. We change when we recognize what God has done and that he's changing us. And the way that we can help that and understand that is by doing three simple things. This is what we looked at. And again, we spoke in depth about this. I'll just remind us. The first thing we said was we need to change our narratives. Change what we believe about God and about us. Because let me ask you this way. If we really believe that God is good, just that, wouldn't that change the way we live? If we really believe that he's trustworthy, that he's generous, that he's gracious, and that he unconditionally loves us, that he solved the problem of punishment, that it's not about punishment anymore, that he gives us what we need to navigate this, this problem of pollution. He's given us the cure. If that's true, if I believe that, then I will naturally live different because I'm changing the narratives that I'm living my life by. We also said that getting community around, of us, around us who can help us remember this because in our world with our, you know, that, that flesh thing in us that, that pulls us back, and having people around us who can remind us of who God is and who we are and what he's doing and what he's done helps us. And then kind of building muscle memory because listen, there's a whole bunch of muscle memory in our lives that kind of pulls back because we don't, I don't believe that, I don't believe that. And so my natural inclination is to live as if I don't believe it. But if we can build up our muscle memory to, to be in line with what we believe, then we'll just naturally be living that. And if we do those things, change our narratives, have good community around us helping us do this and build some muscle memory, all because he's changing our lives, all on the foundation of what he's doing in us. If we can do that and we bump into instructions in scripture, I think it changes everything. I think we'll naturally go, hey, I wanna do it. Christianity is not a sin management thing. It's not a self-effort thing. It's not a willpower thing. But if I can come back to the gospel of who he is, what he's done, knowing that he's changed my heart and he's changing my heart, it'll allow me to read the, the scriptures that say do this and don't do that. And I will probably naturally go, you will probably naturally go, okay, I trust him enough, even though I don't fully understand it, okay, I trust him enough, even though I don't like that and it goes against my natural self-gratifying self, I trust him enough to go, okay, I want to follow him. I want to obey him. And he's changing me and making me not only want to obey him, but able to obey him. That's the beauty of Christianity. It is not just something that calls you to do stuff different so that you'll be a good Christian. No, it is a change of heart, and it's based on me understanding and trusting the gospel. And, here, and if I mess up, this is the beauty of the gospel as well. If I mess up, I know there's grace to pick me back up again, because I will mess up. That's, that's the journey. But I want to follow him. I want to come back to him, and I believe that's what the gospel does. To close, I wanna read one more passage of scripture that I think brings all of this together in the most beautiful way. It's a letter that uh, Peter, one of Jesus' closest disciples and most famous disciples wrote. And it's amazing as he writes this introduction to the second letter that we have. So it's in 2 Peter chapter one. It's amazing that he brings all of this together. He says, it's about knowing him. If you know him, everything changes. 
It's about trusting him. So trust what you know. And then as a result, he puts his life. He uses the word, he puts the divine nature in you. Like, how does that work? That's crazy. But if you know him and trust him, he puts that in you. And then he invites you to do something because of it. So let me read this. 2 Peter 1 verse 1 says this. Simon Peter, he introduces himself, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, not through your righteousness or my righteousness, but through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. And he says, grace and peace be yours in abundance. How? Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Grace to you and peace and abundance that you find when you know who he is. Verse three, this is crazy. His divine power, not my self-effort, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. How do I live this godly life? How do I do that? His divine power has given us everything we need through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And through these, through his glory and goodness, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them, listen to this, you may participate in the divine nature. What? <laughs> that somehow I get to when I trust him. You get to when you trust him. You get to participate with the divine nature. That's crazy, but that's what it says. Having escaped the corruption of the world that's caused by evil desires. So how do you escape that? How do you not do those things? How do you do that? Well, his divine nature is in you, and we get to escape that. And then on that foundation, because he's done that, because that's what we stand on, because I know who he is, I trust who he is, he's done this crazy, incredible work in me, and only then, look what he says in verse five, for this very reason, because of all that, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. So he doesn't tell us to do all these things and then we're okay. No, he tells us he's awesome. He's given you grace. Trust him. He's changing your heart. And because of all that, now go be who you are. Go be what he's called you to be. It's a powerful description of the Christian life because I've trusted him. He puts his life in me and I can live out what he's called me to live. That's how God deals with the problem of sin. It's not by stop sinning. That's like saying stop having cancer. It doesn't work. But all this has happened, and then I get to look at those instructions and go and do them and be them. So what do we do when we bump into the instructions in Scripture? Number one, and most important, come back to the gospel. First, what do you do when you bump into, I gotta do this, I don't feel like it, it doesn't feel right, I don't understand it, but it says I gotta do it, how do I handle it? Come back to the gospel. Remember who I am without him, that I'm more sinful than I ever did believe. Remember that. Remember who he is and what he's done, that he's taking care of the problem of punishment, he's taking care of the problem of pollution. That's who he is, that's what he's done. And remember that when I put my trust in him, he puts his spirit in me. That remember who we are in him and he's given us everything we need 
So when I bump into things in scripture, come back to the gospel. And when we do that, I think we'll want to. And I think we'll find the strength to obey him. That's how God deals with the problem of sin. So I wanna say one more thing as I close because this is where we're headed next week. And that's this. What if you're sitting here and you're going, well, I believe I've believed for a long time and I still struggle. It doesn't feel like I'm changing. It doesn't feel like I want to. Sometimes I don't want to still. We've talked about that, that we carry that around with us. But what if it feels like I'm not changing? What do I do with that? What if I mess up when I should know better? What do we do with that? We'll talk about that next week. For now, here's what I wanna say. Please don't think that his grace stops when you become a Christian. So often we do. Don't think that his grace stops when you become a Christian. Oh no, now I need to know better. No, that's going back to trusting ourselves. And Christianity is not about trusting ourselves, not now, not before, not ever. It's always about trusting him and what he's doing. So if I mess up, if you mess up, welcome to the Christian life. Everyone messes up, I mess up, we all do, just most people don't admit it. And I think we need to start admitting it because then we can be real and understand what grace really is. And his grace, here's what grace really is. It's new every morning, every morning. Grace forgives again and again. Grace lifts up again and again. Grace continues to transform and it continues to empower. And we're gonna get into this a little bit next week, but for now, remember, don't think that grace stops when you become a Christian. Grace is not dependent on my works, on my sin management, or my ability. It's dependent on what Christ has done. All I need to do is continually come back to the gospel and trust him. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Christianity is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So if you struggle or mess up, please just continually come back to the gospel and trust him and he will do what he's gonna do. Like Philippians 1 verse six says, and we're ending with this, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you. I'm so grateful for the gospel. I'm so grateful for what you've done. I'm so grateful for the God Jesus knows. I'm so grateful that you're good and kind and generous and gracious and loving, unconditionally loving. I'm so grateful that even though I have a sin disease, you have taken care of the problem of punishment and pollution. You've given me your spirit. And Father, I'm so grateful for the instructions you give, not so that I can try, please you or do right, but so that I can be who you've made me to be on the foundation of what you've done in me. Father, I pray you help us know that. Help us remember who you are. And from that, obey and follow and trust. I'm so grateful. In Jesus' name, amen.